Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast which runs smoother than the UK fuel supply chain, with more sensible reasoning than an M25 insulation protester, and infinitely more laughs and more truth than a Tory party conference keynote speech. I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How are you fellas? Lovely. When did we become Have I Got News For You? I dared to go topical. I'm so sorry about that. Well, th- like the old adage, like, don't date the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jettisoned immediately. In two years' time, when people are listening to this in the wasteland, Rob, then you'll <laughs> be able to pinpoint where it was all going wrong. Those boys were right. They were right. As they're eating cockroaches out of an old bean can. <laughs> How are you, fellas? You okay? That's good. Thank you. Yourself? Extremely well. I am a bit down in the uh, down in the dumps. I'm a bit under the weather today. Uh, I I've caught the lurg. Can you make? So, can we have some violins going over the top? Well, yeah. I mean, so I, I apologise in advance for my uh, bunged up uh, audio. I mean, my audio is bunged up as it is, so it's just doubly <laughs> bunged up. There. But I've got I've got my lovely lampsip here with a little Miss Princess mug. Just to... it's accurate. It's accurate. You can see it mm. right now. Uh, so What's yes, it? I apologise in advance for any disgusting noises that will be coming from my microphone <laughs> the next hour or so. <laughs> I, I can't wait for these. Um, was it, wasn't there a parody album called Bunged Up? Um, was it? Uh, what was it parodying? I don't. I think was it. Um, it might be uh, Weird Al Yankovic's, where, where the lead single was um, "Constipated" instead of "Complicated" by Avril Lavigne. <laughs> <laughs> Highbrow, topical and highbrow. That's what we're, <laughs> we're all about. What have you, what have you fellas, been watching this week? So uh, while we've been off, I saw my favourite film of the year so far. Woo! Uh, it was David Lowry's The Green Knight. Oh yes. So uh, the film is a handsomely mounted ethereal retelling of the medieval story of Sir Garwin. Gaywin. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Uh, anyway, he's played by the always excellent Dev Patel, and it told, uh, this film is about his encounters with the titular Green Knight, who's voiced by Chris Finch from The Office, which is a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those expecting sort of action epic will be frustrated by the enigmatic nature of the storytelling, but have no doubt this is top-tier filmmaking from a true cinematic craftsman. I was totally enamoured with this movie and thought it was absolutely magnificent. It's on Amazon Prime in glorious 4K. If it isn't playing at your local cinema, just go and watch it. Loved it. Loved it. Amazing. Yeah. I've, Amazing. I, I was I was planning to go and watch it um, last Thursday, but then uh, completely forgot that the biggest movie of the year was coming out on Thursday. <laughs> so it disappeared out of the cinema. So I was like, oh, God. <laughs> God damn you, Bond. Um, <laughs> But yes, I, I do need. I'm desperate to watch that because it, it was delayed for ages, wasn't it? It was supposed to be out last year. Well, it was gonna. It was like a week away from coming out here in the UK, and then the Delta variant started ramping up, and the A24 obviously got spooked, and they've sold it to Amazon, and then it's got a limited cinema release with that as well. Because obviously, you know, it's not going to do gangbusters at the box office. It's not that type of film. It's quite a surreal and. And strange film, and it looked like it cost a fair whack as well, cons- mm. just based on the visuals. So, yeah, it's probably a smart business decision for them. But yeah, I was all geared up for it in the summer. It was just about to come out, and then it went, "Yeah, it's not coming out in the UK, and we'll let you know." 
yeah. when it's coming out and it's just dropped on Amazon Prime. Yes, that is that is at the top of my list. I just love David Lowry. Yeah, he's ace. He's well good. Yeah. That catalogue is brilliant. And he just seems to get better and better as he goes on as his career. And he just makes completely different films as well. Yeah. Each film he makes is totally different to the last. So he's, yeah, he's um, always look out for his films for sure. Peach Dragon, mm. one of the most upsetting films I've Peach seen Dragon's in recent great. years. It's so good, honestly. Yeah. It's definitely the best Disney live action. Well, live action in quote unquote live action. <laughs> it's definitely the best one because it, it's just really, really good and really lovely. Lovely khakis in that film. I love how um, <laughs> I love how um, Dev Patel is becoming like a serious. Uh, not, I don't mean a serious actor. That's not not what I meant, but like a serious player now. You know, oh, like yeah, he's, like, he's really good. Isn't he's he? a serious mega, mega movie star now. Incredibly handsome man as well. It's disgusting. Um, uh, Have you seen anything else, James? um... Yeah, so uh, next up is a remake of a 2018 Danish film of the same name. The Guilty is a well-directed thriller from Antoine Fuqua, who I have a tremendous amount of time for. I'm always bemoaning the fact that there's no sort of Tony Scott anymore. I think Antoine Fuqua is probably the closest thing we have to a Tony Scott at the moment in terms that he makes makes uh, star-led, mid-budget, action thrillers so this one is uh, set entirely inside a 911 emergency call center and it's lean gripping stuff and features a brilliantly compelling performance from jake gyllenhaal as a demoted cop trying to save a kidnapped woman over the phone uh i thoroughly enjoyed this and we'll be checking out the danish original once this is not as fresh in the memory and this one is streaming on netflix and believe is also got a bit of a limited cinema run as well so Easy for everyone to check out, depending on your preference. Nice, nice. Did, I said it last time, but you guys come up with good shouts, boys. Lovely stuff. Are you going to keep that going, Sido? Uh, absolutely not. No, I was. Um, <laughs> I was. Um, well, I was on my. The, the reason for the for the break we've had was I was on my holiday over the last couple of weeks, so I haven't really watched anything film wise outside of a few ITV two movies I'd already seen about eight million times. Uh, like hot fuzz, and <laughs> which is always on. Um, mm-hmm. But the the thing I have been watching uh, alongside the rest of the world, it seems, is that Squid Game on Netflix. Ooh. I've not started it yet. I'm really keen to. It's very very good. I'm only four episodes in, but it's like complete. You know, the hooks are in. Uh, just want to start the next episode when it fin- when the really? next one finishes. And it's got a lot of themes not too dissimilar to tonight's movie, actually. But yeah, it's very it's very very good. And uh, yeah, it's no surprise that it's just become this mammoth hit for Netflix. It may, might have already done it already, but it's definitely on course to become the biggest watched TV program on the platform, which is saying a lot, really, um, yeah. especially for a Korean property with subtitles and all that. I mean, it does default to dub, so I hope people aren't watching it with the rubbish dub. But I've I've heard as well that the subtitles are a bit crap as well, so the translation yeah. is supposed to be a bit rubbish, but... I wouldn't know. I'm not Korean, so I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's very, very good. Um, another film I watched, actually, just just remember, just come to my head, uh, the Cruella film with Emma Stone. Oh, how was that? I really enjoyed it. It's really long. Like, I don't know. It's definitely not for kids. I don't know what kids would enjoy it because it's a bit sort of out there and quite violent and... Uh, really quite dark for a Disney film, but Emma Stone's great in it. Emma Thompson as the villain in it is absolutely brilliant. I noticed you say that Emma Thompson's the villain, not Cruella. 
Well, yeah. I mean, this that's what's quite bizarre about the film. But um, no, it's, it's it's it was good. I I enjoyed it. I yeah, I, I enjoy the Disney films. I know they're all shameless and remakes and reboots and prequels and sequels and all that stuff, but they're they're quite entertaining. So yeah, I quite liked Cruella actually. Surprisingly, so it was good. Cool, very cool. Um, more great shouts. What about you? Well, I I'm so excited for what you've watched, Rob. I've been waiting for ages. To hear <laughs> well, I'm going to go in first with, um, I've also been enjoying a series, um, and it too, for me, stands head and shoulders above other series of its type. And uh, I was really, I, re- I watched season one, was really excited to watch season two. Season two has been released in full on Discovery Plus this week. Is it about sharks? It's, of course, Expedition Bigfoot, oh. um, season two. <laughs> Also, it's about Bigfoot. <laughs> How have they got two series? <laughs> oh, well, you see, the first series, they nearly found it. Is it narrative or documentary? Documentary. Oh, right, okay. So they're off, they're off, um, there's there's three scientists, they're off in the woods looking for Bigfoots. And, um, I, I mean, it's, I'm grown up enough to say it is absolutely absurd. <laughs> And and we are played as an audience. We are played with constantly. Like um, there's only so many times that you can show. You know, like um, Doctor Mayer is in the woods and she's waving a torch into the tree line. And did you hear that? I didn't hear a thing. But they're all going, <laughs> "Oh my god, there's something over there!" But yes, I did go to the cinema this week. I went on uh, Friday night to a possibly inappropriately packed um, <laughs> multiplex uh, to watch No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie. James oh. Bond in inverted commas. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I, I mean, I know we, we, we'd like to have a little chat about this. Uh, um, I, I think this is definitely a movie that you don't want any spoilers before you go in, into it. So I'm not going to deliver any. But if you would like to ask me any questions about it, I will be happy to try to navigate them. Um, did you hate it as much as you thought you were going to hate it? <laughs> well, in the lead... <laughs> a very leading question. <laughs> yeah, leading the witness. Objection, Your Honour! <laughs> Just to give a little bit of context for people who maybe aren't aware, Rob is not as enamoured with this version of Bond no, I'm not. As I'm previous not. iterations, would that be fair no, to say? No, I'm, 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 I'm a massive Bond fan, to the point that we, we have... a sister have... Po- podcast. Yeah. yeah, there is a sister podcast, which <laughs> yeah. I'm a part of, the Really 007 podcast, under the Pod Dojo <laughs> banner. Um, but it's it, it's like we have a, an unwritten rule on here. I don't know whether it's you guys or it's just me, but we don't go near Bond on here because just, I just can't <laughs> talk about it like um, without... I just, I don't know. Ah, it's mad. Anyway, um, huge Bond devotee all my life. And I didn't enjoy it when um, it suddenly went into surly, uh, angry, pouty Bond, who was not very happy with, well, anything really, and who was determined to quit all the time. Uh, most of his five movies are about him <laughs> not being not in the job. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want this job. Don't give it to me. I saw a really good a really good comment on it where it said Daniel Craig's Bond is basically a man who finds himself being James Bond does not want to be James Bond and hates every single minute of being James Bond. It's true <laughs> and sulks his way in. I've, honestly, do you remember Nicholas and Elka's ni- nickname Le Sulk? Yeah. That's what I've taken to calling him. <laughs> so, but in the lead up, I wanted to go in because I 
Truthfully, fellas, I have had dogs abuse online for even mentioning that Craig might not be the, the, my favourite Bond. Really? I've had all sorts. I've had DMs. I've had... Um, oh, really? Yeah, all yeah. sorts. Um, people telling me I'm clearly not a fan. People tell, calling me names. I've been called all sorts. Um, um, I've been told that um, <laughs> the the... Daniel Craig sacrificed so much to give us this entertainment. <laughs> Quite well remunerated for it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very divisive topic, apparently, in the James Bond world. I just don't really like the direction he's gone in. Yeah. And the, the producers have gone in as well. And But it's all right to say that. It's a movie. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's movies. And we talk about whether we like or don't like movies all the time. Absolutely. And these are just like any other movies. You know, if I divorce my um, love for you know what because these movies got me into movies in the first place you know so if i divorce my love from that like anyone's uh, and i don't need it there's no movies and movies you can say what you can have any there's no such thing as a wrong opinion when it comes to movies you're allowed to like whatever you want to like um but it turns out you're not allowed to dislike daniel craig i've learned the hard <laughs> way that that's not right were, they, were these messages from daniel craig himself <laughs> just uh, you know uh no 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 of course not. just aliases uh, <laughs> craig daniels <laughs> craig daniels um the um yeah, it also doesn't go down well when you keep referring to, to him as Daniel Craig. Uh, they, don't, they don't like that either. <laughs> That's um, what Americans call him. I know, I know. <laughs> Barbara Broccoli's like, you know, I can't believe the charisma of Daniel Craig. You know, <laughs> on earth. Um, anyway, so, but I was determined to give it a go. Um, so I watched um, all four of his other movies oh, before that. I went in to watch this one. So, uh, yeah, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, um, Skyfall Inspector. Can we get um, a quick ranking of those, Rob? Seeing as they're fresh in your memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spectre's my favourite one. It's controversial. Spectre. It's got a good opening from what I remember. Spectre's my favourite one because it, it, it feels more in spirit. Like, it's less serious. Yeah. Um, there's still a load of shocking decisions in there. Um, and also a lot of... Awful, like There's a widow played by Monica Bellucci. And Craig forces himself... on Not Craig, James Bond, sorry. Forces... <laughs> like... It's just, you know, and they're like, oh, he's a woke emotional bond. Like, he's yeah, yeah, forced himself on grieving that, people, yeah. you know. <laughs> What's going on? I remember the lead up to Spectre coming out and they were making a big, big deal about the fact that Monica Bellucci was like the oldest, most age appropriate, oldest yeah. Bond girl of the, in the series or what have you. And then I saw what they actually did with her in the film. I was like, I wouldn't really be talking that up to be honest. <laughs> but they always do this. They always go like, oh, in our movie, our, our Bond women aren't just you know they're not just eye candy they're they're rounded characters and whatever like they always were they always mm. were it's it, but you have the occasional societal misstep because some of these movies came out in the era that they came out in yeah um but so loads has been made about this but anyway you want you want a ranking so spectre is top quantum of solace is next really uh, Yes, I, I, I'll just add as well. You know, the caveat: these are still the bottom four of my whole, <laughs> the whole ranking of the franchise. Um, then Casino Royale, then Skyfall, which is an absolute mess. Skyfall is an absolute shocker. Um, oh, that's but, my favourite one. <laughs> no, you see, it's fine, Sai. It's yeah. fine because we're allowed to have opinions, aren't we? I think I think it's mainly because it looks so lovely because Deacon mm. shot it. Yeah, that's. True. I think that's kind of why I was into yeah. it a lot because I was just in the cinema going like Whoa. yeah yeah 
It is astonishingly beautiful. Yeah. I'm very partial to Casino Royale, to be fair. Yeah. I no, really I like the action in that movie. I think it's very well. I, I, well and let's done. as well, like these are, um, these are still, just because I don't rank them high in the Bond world, um, that doesn't mean that one, that's correct, or two, that they're not exceptionally well-made films. They are such a cut above yeah. Standard filmmaking. They are absolutely outstanding for what you know for what they're doing. So then, yeah. So I, I watched all of them um, and went then went to watch No Time to, uh, to to Die. Turns out there's plenty of time to do a great deal because it's two hours forty three minutes long. So <laughs> you can do a lot with that. I do find that a bit ridiculous. How can you not tell a James Bond adventure into inside two hours? I don't understand that. I think all. my counter to that possibly would be, or, or an answer to that. Sorry, would be. It depends if you're trying to tell a James Bond story or something totally different. Um, you know, um, what I will say is this: this is a divisive movie. It, it has been. I've seen very uh, both sides of the coin, like far either way. You know, people do not like it, and some people absolutely love it. It's been very, very divisive. It's mad. It's it's either a one or five, isn't it? Everywhere, apart yeah. from um, our good friends at the Guardian, who <laughs> on release day gave it a five star review, then two days later released another review, three stars. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, they're different reviewers, but, but still, it's still <laughs> under their banner. I know, yeah, it's still I know, under their yeah, banner. Yeah. It's ridiculous, absolutely absurd. Who were they? Bradshaw gave it five. <laughs> yeah, doe headed Bradshaw. He's not doe headed, but we say that because of what he said about you know because he. John Carter, he said it was like going into Greg's and getting his head full of dough. And um, Wendy Eyed gave it three, I think. Yeah. Right. So, you know, this is under that same... I mean, but does Empire ever come out and give two separate, you know... I mean, they they sometimes do that with a DVD release, yeah. don't they? But yeah. they're looked at as two different things. I think what happens is, is they have The Observer on a Sunday. So Bradshaw goes in The Guardian, and then The Observer and The Guardian are linked. Wendy Eyed does her review at the weekend, and then they put it under the same bag. <laughs> both reviews on the same website. It just seemed to me like, oh, heck, where do we go? Which way do we go? I don't know. Let's just go with three. You know, um, which is kind of what every movie on our podcast does. Maybe no, when all said and done, no time to die will qualify. We could possibly do it. But what I would say is go and see it. Go and see it because... Yeah, it, I'm, I'm definitely going anyway. It's yeah. a massive spectacular. It is a massive spectacular. And I will say as well that the first hour especially was uh, the Bond I've been waiting since 2002 for. Oh, nice. great. Good. Yeah, so I really, really enjoyed it. It's Craig's best performance as Bond for me as well. I love so many aspects about it. Some iconic scenes, quite a bit of humour. Um, really enjoyed all that. And the action is is largely top-notch. So, yeah, and, and of course it looks spectacular i think i'm appreciative of it is purely because it's got people going to cinemas again mm. oh yeah mm. only a film like bond can do that really Absolutely. yeah um and that's it's obvious why they kept pushing it back and pushing it back because it's always the biggest film in britain isn't it like whenever a new one yeah. comes out yeah. particularly this new wave of ones because you know while it might not please the purists like you rob it, it kind of appeals more to the general film goer because it's kind you're of absolutely lent, right man yeah. lent into that you know, a different way of telling the story. You're right, you're right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm a massive nerd and I'm not right because I said the <laughs> same thing, didn't I, about um, 
Game of Thrones, you know, the ending of Game of Thrones, because it wasn't what people liked. I was like, oh, it's entertainment. Just get on with it. I'm a massive hypocrite. (laughs) (laughs) Just a massive, massive hypocrite. But we're all allowed to have our bugbears. None of of us are are perfect. Yeah. But go see it. Go see it. I'd urge everyone to go see it because also um, it might give them enough money so that they can have another go and possibly get it right. (laughs) Okay, quick quick fan cast. Who would you have? Uh, Henry Cavill at this point in time. Or Dan Stevens. Oh, Dan Stevens is a great show. I'm going for Dan Stevens. Yeah. I never heard, hear him mentioned in any conversations ever. Um, but Dan Stevens would be great. I think for Bond as well, you sort of need a need. I'm not saying that Daniel Craig didn't need Bond, but I think he hit. If you look at the rest of his filmography and the directors that he's worked with, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's like being. I think he's a properly tremendous actor so i think i wouldn't be surprised at all if he's doing like oscar type roles in the well yeah over the next decade and i don't know if he was just trying to force it into this more actorly uh prism rather than someone who's just sort of like a charismatic movie star like yeah. pierce brosnan was back in the day yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, that's totally right um and that's you are so on the money james because the for your consideration stuff has already gone out to the um what do they call them? The members of the academy? Yeah. The academy, so the academy, so yeah, um, they're they're pushing for him to get an Oscar no nomination chance. for this. No yeah. chance. Yeah. I've not even seen it yet, and I know that's not, <laughs> not a good one. <laughs> he's doing a he's doing a stint in Broadway next. I think. Yeah. He's doing Macbeth in Broadway, isn't he? It's yeah, Barbara so. Broccoli again who's uh, putting that together because she Is absolutely it? loves him. Daniel Craig. <laughs> oh, Daniel! No, she said. Um, she said on this. Did you see that being James Bond documentary? No, I haven't watched it. No. no. That was a bit of a propaganda piece, that one. Um, and um, but they also said that um, I know that I've spoken to a number of journalists who were, who were refused interviews with the cast and crew um, if uh, they hadn't watched that and praised that. Wow! I see. So there's a little bit of there's a quite a bit of there is it. Yeah, there's a story within a story about yeah. no time to die and stuff. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's also it's a massive triumph as well because they gambled massively on. Um, not going straight to DV, straight to video streaming. Yeah, I'm so glad they held firm on that though, because it was really I am glad my head in when people were saying oh, you got to release it for our safety, which is nonsense. Yeah, no, they're right because it's because this this alone will probably save cinemas in this country. Yeah, I think, and so. it deserves huge credit for that. It really is, and so do the filmmakers and so do the people behind the decision to say we will wait for cinema. Bond is for cinemas, Absolutely. but Bond is now an Amazon pro- product, isn't it? It's it an, is, a, a, yeah, yeah. So whether that will ha- will hold firm, I, I don't know. But the last they're thing not I really gonna, they're not going to leave that sort of box office on the table, though, are they? Even if it's Amazon who are funding yeah. them moving forward, they'll just have access to all the back catalogue, won't they? And maybe spin offs and things yeah. like that, which they've always talked about doing but never actually followed through with have they um you know there was a lot of talk after um a, a die another day came out that Halle berry was going to get a yeah. spin-off series and things like that. <laughs> imagine one of the, uh, uh, literally one of the worst characters the franchise ever seen directed um, by lee tamahori <laughs> not tamahori's fault because it's all everything that the, the the big problem with this series from that point has been the writing for me the, the plot holes are wider than buses um and that's all down to Pervious and weird. Uh, <laughs> the magical screenwriters of Plunkett and McLean, who were then given the James Bond franchise to play with. Um, Mad. Yeah. That's, that's always confused me, that. Yeah. I still would have liked to have seen um, Danny Boyle's version, though. So would I. Well, apparently, I'll t- once you've seen it, 
in our in our FYR WhatsApp group. I'll tell you why he left. Oh, well, he, well, the screenplay would have been by John Hodge as well, who obviously wrote Train Spotting and Shallow Grave. Um, I can share some information. Lovely. Right. Well, uh, hopefully, we'll, uh, I'll get to see it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not totally down on this at all. I'm going to see it again tomorrow. It, it's a Bond movie. It's it's cinema. It's a it's a British uh, cinema staple. It's a cultural tick box. This. Yeah. So um, I'm yeah I'm going to be positive about it. Lovely. Great. Um, so uh, I really look forward to when we actually have a yeah wee on this one. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so we move on. Let's talk about tonight's movie. Say it was your pick. It was. It was. A uh, bit of a last-minute pick, but a uh, pick nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, shall I log line? Do you want a log line? Let's have a log line. Okay. Uh, during an annual 12-hour amnesty where all acts of crime are decriminalised, three groups of people stranded amongst the chaos are brought together to survive the night and stand in awe of Frank Grillo's exceptional gun-handling skills and, frankly, gorgeous hair. <laughs> uh, this is James DeMonaco's 2014 sequel to The Purge, The Purge, Back in the Habit. I mean, The Purge, Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go out there. You know how dangerous it is. This won't bring him back. It won't make you feel any better. Don't do this. It's late. You need to leave. Traffic is building rapidly downtown. As citizens rush to get home before commencement. If you're not purging, we advise you to get off the streets as quickly as possible. It'll soon be a war out there. broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge at the siren all crime including murder will be legal for 12 hours all emergency services will be suspended your government thanks you for your participation what is this Tonight allows a release. America, a nation reborn. Just drive, just drive. Stick to the plan. Thank you. Follow me. As long as we keep moving, we're okay. People like us, we don't survive tonight! Oh my god, where are they taking us? <laughs> this is the last purge of the evening. The bidding will start at 200,000. remember all the good the purge does so sorry the purge anarchy why did you bring this to our uh, attention this evening well i mean other than it being a, a massive panic pick on the last episode because i totally <laughs> didn't think of something um 
because I just totally forgot it was my turn. Um, I hadn't actually seen the original one when I first watched this film. So I had I went into it having absolutely no idea what it was about other than the vague concept of what The Purge was. But I think I saw a review when it came out. I don't know who it was or w- w- what outlet it was in, but it basically just said, it's a very John Carpenter-like film along the lines of Walter Hill's The Warriors, uh, which is one of my favourite films, with a real cult-like B-movie exploitation vibe. So I was just like completely, I was like, tick, 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 like completely <laughs> sold. And I went to the cinema to watch it. It just had no attachment. I hadn't seen a trailer or anything like that. and just went in completely cold, pretty much completely cold, and just absolutely loved it. So this has been on my sort of, it's been hovering around the list of things to do, films to do for quite a while. And because we mentioned it last week in passing when talking about something else, I just thought, oh yeah, but, you know, we haven't had a film like this for a while. Can't do another Cage one so soon after <laughs> after uh, Bad Lieutenant. But yeah, do you know, like you're just so pleasantly surprised by a film you know nothing about, and then I just love it when that happens. When you just yeah, you're going in with no preconceptions of what it is. You haven't, no one's told you about whether they like it or not or anything like that. It's just a complete. I think it was empty cinema as well, like late night on a Tuesday or something, like completely empty. So yeah, I just think it deserves attention. I think it's it's that good, particularly for this parish. Anyway, nice man, love it. What so James? What's your relationship with um, the Purge Anarchy? And and if I could, if I could ask the overall question, the, the Purge franchise. Yeah, so I think it's a really good point that Simon makes because I think it does deserve attention because I think when you get into a situation where you've got a long running horror franchise, you sort of what tends to happen with long-running horror franchises is they just get worse, but they keep churning them out because they make money, essentially. But they, I think in this in this instance, this is a really good movie that's sort of within this franchise um, and could possibly have been overlooked because it's just, oh, well, there's five of them, so it must be, it must be a load of garbage that they just keep churning out. Uh, but this one's really good. In terms of the franchise itself, uh, I quite like the franchise, and I've seen four of the five films. I haven't seen the one that came out earlier this year yet. But they've always been... I've never felt compelled to go and watch them at the cinema. Mm. Uh, it's always been like a DVD rental from Lovely Love Film back in the day or um, or on streaming. And uh, yes, I think, I, like Simon, I saw this sequel before I saw the Ethan Hawke starring original. Interesting. Um, for myself, I saw... Um that exact original in the cinema and it scared the bejesus out of me more than like a throwaway horror would and it scared me so much that i've avoided the purge franchise ever since (laughs) um so thanks for bringing the trauma for me tonight (laughs) um no it's because uh, i read this um in a book recently a book by um will dean uh, the book was called Bad Apples, and there was a line in it that really threw me that was, we're only ever, as a society, we're only ever five bad decisions and a charismatic leader away from meltdown. It just rings so true. And then when you look at this situation of you can have one night where, where the rules just don't apply and you can do whatever you want, and then having watched you know what's been going on certainly in Western society the last few years, Oh my God! People would definitely do this. They, oh, one hundred percent. They would definitely go and do this. It probably seemed quite far fetched back in twenty thirteen, didn't it? <laughs> That's the thing. It probably did. And now it's like, oh my God! People would definitely do this. And 
it's terrifying because of that. You know, and and the the brilliant horror tropes of the siren. The siren is brilliant. Like, and the purge has started, and from that moment, it's fair game. I mean, everyone is fair game. Um, I thought the original did such a great job of um, that from the homestead point of view. You know, the home point of view of doing up your windows and doors and all that kind of stuff and trying so hard to, you know, keep it together inside. And this sort of, um, for me, just sort of like up the ante. So it was great coming to this. Um, I'd avoided it because it terrified me. The whole concept terrified me. And then I watched it two nights ago. Um, so that's yeah, that's literally it. But I'm aware that there are a bunch of sequels. There's even a series, isn't there? There is a t- two series of television as well. And oh, I think there's that? more nice. movies coming as well because uh, it's a right. Blumhouse sort of Platinum Dunes yeah. co-production, isn't it? And they keep the budgets quite low on these things. I think the first one is like a three million dollar wow. movie, and then they it made like a hundred worldwide or something like that. So they always keep the budget quite low. And then, um, and then they make quite good bank at the box office, or they did pre-pandemic, right? Well, because when it first came out, when the first one came out, you were, uh, I was watching it like, and then when I heard that there were going to be sequels, and uh, then another sequel, and and you're like, well, of course it could be, because you could take this concept and put it anywhere in the world, and it would still be very, very interesting and very disturbing. Absolutely. Um, like, I'd love to see a British edition of The Purge. <laughs> it would be. Even scarier, I would imagine. Cricket bats and snooker balls in socks. <laughs> Got no guns, have we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely brilliant. So, um, qualification then, in which case, let's go, James, let's ask about um, budget and box office. Um, does it qualify under those criteria? Yeah, so as you've probably uh, guessed, given that this is the second film in a five-film and TV show franchise, it did quite well at the box office. Just out of interest, guys, what would you say the budget of this film was in terms of the production budget? I don't know. Size? What did you say the original was again? Four million? Three. Three. Twenty? Yeah. Fifteen? Nine million what? dollars. Wow. No! Yeah. They got a lot out of that. They made that look they good. They did, absolutely. And uh, wow. it went on to gross $72 million in America and $40 million in other countries for a total gross of $111.9 uh, worldwide, which is a hell of a return on a $9 million budget. I mean, it must be, like, pound for pound, one of the most successful movies of that year. Yeah, and that was tripling of the, of the first, first instalment's budget as well. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. No wonder they keep producing this out because... Banking <laughs> every time, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that that's what like Bloomhouse and like the oh, sort of horror. I genre. love the Bloomhouse model. Yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's great. really yes. good. And yeah, you know that those sort of films, particularly horror, they just seem to be able to do them so cheaply. Um, well, I yeah. say cheaply, yeah. in, in vertical, you know, compared to other movies. And the the turnover on them is because they're just insanely popular, aren't they? You know, they are. And the great thing is, well, they never compromise on um, quality. As well, you know, they always get good filmmakers in. Um, they always put as much budget on screen as possible. Um, always want to watch the Halloween uh, reboots are a or sequels, whatever you want to call them, are a good case in point. So Jamie Lee Curtis is obviously in those in those new movies. But what they do to get to keep the budget down is they don't pay Jamie Lee Curtis her actual asking price. They give her back end on so she films the makes the movie at scale. And then when the box office receipts come back in, then she makes bank yeah, on wow. the back of that, essentially. 
Um, and that's probably what they did with the original one because the original one's got Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey in it. Maybe Lena Headey wasn't yeah. as big of a star back in 2013 as she is now following Game of Thrones, but still quite a quite a well-renowned cast. Well, Ethan Hawke loves his, yeah. his like smaller movies, doesn't he? He's a, he, he loves yeah, his low fi stuff, sort of doesn't he? Putting his hat into the ring for films like that. Well, he did Sinister as well with Blumhouse, and I think he's got another he one did. coming as well next year from Scott Derrickson, which is also a Blumhouse. Um, so yeah, he he knows. I think he knows. Um, he always comes across as quite a thoughtful and artistic type, but he knows that he needs bankable hits as well on yeah. his resume, and he yes. seems to pick yeah. those quite well. Yeah, yeah. But he always elevates this material. Oh yeah, too. yeah, definitely. Yeah, super. Absolutely super. And then, obviously, that's been passed over to Frank Grillo, who we'll get oh, on I can't to. wait. Uh, love me, Grillo. Love the Grillo. I'm just going to put it on front straight. <laughs> the best name ever, Grill. Oh, I absolutely love it. Um, so, Cy, then, in which case, critically, it must qualify under those terms? Yeah, it certainly does. It's an interesting one, this, in terms of critical reception. Uh, not so much because it does qualify. It's currently at 57% on Rotten Tomatoes and 50% on Metacritic. So, by that sort of latter one, that's where it qualifies quite easily. Um, but it's just because the nature of the reviews and how they're really noticeably bunched into specific groups of those who kind of scoffed at how puerile it is. So that's usually from the New York-based critics. And then those who are a bit like, it's a sequel, rubbish, you know, rubbish cash grab sequel, which is kind of like a lot of the US press. And then those who are really into it um, and into the like exploitation grindhouse direction, which seems to come from the UK press, no one really massively slated it and no one really massively lauded it. It was kind of, you know, two and three stars. And that's probably why it falls into this 50 percent, 50 to 60 percent sort of aggregate score. Um, but yeah, both Kim Newman and Mark Commode were complimentary of the film. And as I say, without being overly generous, they they both gave it three stars, which I which I get. I'm fine with that. Commode um, uh, said, uh, despite the box office success of The Purge, which DeMonaco envisaged as a politically subversive indie film that would play in small art houses, this sequel resembles a nasty little B picture, unashamed of its exploitation roots. Um, I'm taking that as a positive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, Kim Newman said. Uh, this series combines smarts and shocks in a disarming manner. From small beginnings, it could be a lasting franchise. This entry is a satisfying hardboard genre picture. Uh, so Kim Newman was right. It went on to, you know, as you say, three more films and two bloody TV series. Um, what did surprise me, though, looking at it, was how similarly low the audience scores were. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 56%. And a, like, a modest 2.9 on Letterboxd. Um, but there are a hell of a lot of people that see this as the franchise's peak, at least far superior to the original film, to the first film. But yeah, that that's a common theme on Letterboxd. People do, you know, those who like it are saying this is the, the peak of the franchise, this one. Cool. Um, do you think the reason for uh, like audiences not giving it a higher grade, possibly, um, is because it it shines too much of a light on human nature, our own nature? And it's uncomfortable for people. I think that's why the sort of right-wing press didn't like it in America. Um, so those sort of right-wing papers weren't, you know, did not like it at all. And, I, you know, I do, because it is a big holding a mirror, quite bluntly, in front of America in particular. 
Yes. And as you said before, Rob, like especially nowadays, you're going. This could actually, you know, that if this was a thing, it, oh, it's, it's not beyond yeah. the realms of plausibility anymore. Like it's the last five years, really yeah. scary. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but that, that whole thing of you know, like um, there's the one part of having the rules are off for one night and you do whatever you want. But there's also the, the the asking the question of yourself: What would you do in those things? You know, which way would you swing? And you know, would because there's a division in the film, isn't there? Some people stay in and batten down the hatches; other people go out and have a bit of a uh, a bit of a do. Well, yeah, release. <laughs> this brings me on to a question I have for you two guys. Ooh. Okay. What's your ideal purge night? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> what would I do? Jeez, I don't, because I what I trouble. think this film sort of skips <laughs> over is that all crime is legal, but everybody gets very hung up on the murder part of it. Like, oh, this yeah, is good. Yeah, yeah what I like we this. Do? We don't want to go the whole hog, <laughs> but what can we be doing that we can't normally get away with? Like, is breaking and entering that's a crime, obviously, obviously yeah, isn't yeah. it? So you can yeah. still do that. So um, I'm going to break into Steven Seagal's house. <laughs> um, hopefully, he'll be there. And um, I'm going to ask him whether we can. I'm well, not. You know, I'm. I'm going to politely ask him. I will use force if we have to, to watch his golden era <laughs> movies between '89 and '91 oh, with him. But you might be able to do that without being illegal. You might just be able to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> just knock on the door. See him. Come in, come in. Um, I know it's I know it's purge night, but um, it looks like you've got really good security. Uh, great, great uh, night to crack out the golden era box. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just settle in? Order some sushi or whatever you want. You're a big fella. <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> wow, that is such a good question. I mean, yeah, he's. I I, I guess I'd race around a bit, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, have, have a nice speeding ticket. Yeah, have a nice little. You've been given the purge and you're going for speeding tickets. <laughs> it like parking in disabled bays. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I think that's what the British version would be—just like really rubbish. Like it would, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fly tipping, <laughs> <laughs> dump a mattress on the A6, let on a layby on the A6. Fly tipping. <laughs> <laughs> but you're absolutely right because you know what? As I say that about the purge, it could come over here. It's only America that's jam packed with guns. Yep. You know, so obviously it's uh, the stakes are so much higher there. Whereas here, it's like, ah, oh, I've got to go and you know, got to find something. Knife, knife in someone's a bit grotty because we talked about that before, haven't we? About the in other other movies we've covered about the the sort of the psychological distance between pulling a trigger and physically harming someone up close and personal. There's a huge difference in that. So You're talking from experience. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, back in Nam. <laughs> yeah, because uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 uh, this is and this is indicative of the problem because I'm I'm going down a rabbit hole here of all the different like ethical problems yeah. this poses to me in my head, and it's all posed by this franchise. The other thing I think this franchise does really really well, if I could say this now, is that um, it doesn't bludgeon you over the head with its satire. It doesn't say to you, "Ooh, look how clever we are." At least, sorry, I'll say that about the two films I've yeah. seen. So they pose the problem and they let the rest of the story play out from there. And there are smart nods to certain things in there that keep that element of satire going. But it's not like, ooh, look at us, aren't we really smart? <laughs> you know you know what I mean? Yeah, I think like tonally this is where the film absolutely nails it. I think it does 
it is a lot more serious than the first one, I think, but it just manages to get, get away with it and without trivialising it, but then without being preachy, I don't think. And I think that's partly why it's successful. Well, to me anyway, it's it's got good themes about it. And it, you know, it might be a bit broad stroke. It might be a bit on the nose. Films like this need to be, don't they? Like, of you know, like Night of the Living Dead was and things like that. You know, it, it, it is quite, yeah. you know, they are holding up a mirror to a lot of people. Um, and the, the the best way the, to make that more successful is to make it quite obvious, you know, what it's saying. Yeah. Um, so like, not like a film like, um, what was that recent one? What was really funny? The Hunt, is it? Yes. Um, which just takes that sort of similar concept, but goes completely wired with it. And it's just really funny and really witty and sending up the left, which is quite which i thought was quite good about that film is how it took the piss out of liberals rather than the easy target of um sort of conservative republicans which this film does so yeah i i think tonally it really nails it um in in that respect cool well i mean there's so much to unpack as we go through um should we get into the movie itself oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah for sure <laughs> So I've just seen in my, you know, I've just looked in my notes as to where to catch up, and I put, "Where the poo is John Beasley going?" <laughs> <laughs> Found that very upsetting. Um, but yes, um, someone's going to have to tell me how this opens. I can't remember now. Uh, I'm trying to remember myself. Actually, let me go go yeah. to my notes. Sorry. Lead us in. Lead us we kick off with some on-screen graphics, don't we? Where we just it just explains what the purge is. Um, you know, it's the not too distant future. I think this is. 2023 or something which obviously was yeah. 10 yeah two years ten, two years from now 10 years from when it came out and it's just got that semi-future graphics um like a escape from new york or something like that yeah and i just i just think that the setup is just i think it's a really looks really basic on the surface of it of the setup of it but i just think it's really good setup and you know again the, with this it's so different to the first one um, like it feels like it's the second part of like an anthology rather than yes a sequel yeah and you know perhaps maybe that's why you know there's a lot of disdain for sequels aren't there so yeah, an automatic disdain for them so maybe people are a bit unfair on that sense because it is completely different absolutely I mean out of all the films there's only the ne- the next one after this film that is a direct sequel to the one that came before it. Because it's, so you have one which is the Ethan Hawke home invasion film, uh, this one, then a follow up film which spoilers Frank Grillo survives this movie and he's in the next one, he's in the election year, and then the fourth one is actually about the Purge trial event. Yeah, it's, it's a prequel, a prequel isn't it? yeah. to the oh, wow. uh, to the original one, which is very good as well. And then, I, as I say, I haven't seen uh, the twenty twenty one film yet. Mm. And the series, I just can't... I think I'll have to I check out the series. I didn't know there was a series at all. I'd... Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. It's all there, available. Wow. Um, I think it's been cancelled. There's two seasons of it. And I imagine that gets more into the nitty-gritty of the political machinations that they, yeah, ca- that they don't sure. have time to yeah. fix it, fit into, the, uh, into yeah. the movies. But yeah, it's, it's exactly right what you say there, Simon, in terms of this being like an anthology-type series of films. You don't have to have seen the first Ethan Hawke film to go into this one. You can go into this one absolutely yeah. blind. It doesn't really matter what order you watch them in, apart from two and three. Yeah, totally agree. Because um, it, it loses a, it loses the horror a wee bit. I mean, obviously it's still scary, but it's not as a traditional 
sort of slasher film like the first one was, was it? Yeah, it's more of a thriller, it isn't is it? More it's of the action the central conceit is what's horrifying, whereas the actual film itself is more of a of a tense thriller, yeah. I, I would yeah, say. Yeah, definitely. So we get um we get sort of three groups of people essentially, don't we? So we've got Eva and her daughter, Eva's a waitress who you know, is kind of on hard times and lives in the projects, doesn't she? And she lives with her daughter and her dad. And then we've got Frank Grillo, who the first time we see him, he's just arming up, just looking up. Oh, absolutely crisp. He is ready to I, roll. I'm pretty sure this was my intro to Frank Grillo as well. I don't think I'd ever... I mean, I might have seen him in stuff, but never really noticed yeah. him. But this was like a real, yeah. you know, leading action star sort of turn from him. And I was just like blown away by... By yeah. him. Who is this guy? Yeah. Where where has he been? Yeah, where has he been? Yeah. And with you, Si, like, this was my first um, Frank Grillo joint. Um, obviously seen him in stuff, I'm sure, and never really twigged or anything like that. The question, sorry, the point you made last week, James, was that uh, oh, you were talking about you'd watch another Grillo movie. Cop Shop with Oh, yeah, Jerry that's Bay. why we brought this one up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep seeing it on the side of a bus. I really want to see it. The bus post is great. <laughs> Uh, you said his hair was bad toop. Um, is this a toop? No, so no, is... no. This is all. This is all Frank. This. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. So it, you know, if he did actually grow his hair out Jeez. from cop shop, and I was rude about it, I'm sorry, Frank, because you, you, <laughs> uh, your Buffon looks absolutely legit in this yeah. in this movie. It's superb. <laughs> the first thing I saw him in was. Uh, do you, have you guys seen the um, MMA? Uh, movie with Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Oh, is he in uh, that? Warrior. He's he's Joel Edgerton's trainer. Oh, of course he is. In that. Is he? And, that, and, and he sort of like carved out a really good career for himself as sort of um, the lower budget action star. Mm. And he's uh, he has a production company with Joe Carnahan, which is why he's the lead of all of Joe Carnahan's last two movies. They're, they're really good friends and they have a production company right. together. And then, yeah, he's just done all these sort of... Um, he's obviously in uh, Captain America movies, isn't he? He's one of the villains in that. And he's done all these sort of, like, VOD, but quite high-end action movies as well. And, yeah, I just find him a really compelling screen presence. Like, you know, if you can't get one of the top guys, then Grillo is very well... It can, can slot right into your movie. Yeah, do you think he's like a man out of time and he should have been... Wow. You know, he missed the boat in the nineties, where yeah, action films a... were like the the top top earners in the box oh office. God. How was he not a star when he was in in He's the nineties really and the two thousands? Yeah. It's really strange. Well, I'm just looking. At, he was Diaz in the Grey. Yeah, that's Joe Carnahan, isn't it? It is Joe Carnahan. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, basically, he's. He's about the same age as Tom Cruise, but Tom Cruise has been a massive star since the mid-80s. Yeah, since he was a teenager, yeah. really, wasn't he? But they're both shredded guys in their 50s like who are really good at action. Yeah. Is... I think he's got the chops, though, as well. I think he's a, he's, he, there's moments in this film where he's yeah. really good, like really good. Very compelling, acting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uncomfortably good at, at times. Because his, he's the in the film, he's the sort of most mysterious person like we don't really know what he's doing like is he a good guy is he a bad guy you know he's tooling up to go out and take part in the purge uh, we don't really know why and then we've got these other two groups we've got Eva and a kid and then we've got um this couple who get stranded from their car yeah um which is matt saracen from friday night lights yes um, and again <laughs> the, 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 I'd, uh, I'd i'd seen this before watching friday night lights and then when i started watching that series i was like ah oh, it's the guy from the purge really um 
But now I'm just like, Matt Saracen, what a hero. <laughs> uh, Zach Guilford and Keely Sanchez, who apparently are a real-life married couple. They I don't are. Know if they still yes. are. Yeah, I think yes. they still are, yeah. Yeah, they've been in a couple of movies together, I believe. Yes, and uh, I-, I think they're the characters that feel the most superfluous to be out of the group. They don't bring, like, Eva, the waitress, and her daughter bring quite a bit to the table. Obviously, there's Frank Grillo yeah. as well, and these two are a bit more superfluous. They just sort of, their car gets broken down, breaks down, doesn't it? And they end up stranded downtown in um, in Purgeland. Yeah, I think this is more of a fault of the writing that we're not as invested in Shane and Liz's story. This is Zach Guilford and Keely Sanchez. Um, because we're introduced to this idea that they they're, Breaking up, yeah, and that they're supposed to be going off to, you know, and and for me it was like, well, they were going off to tell his sister or something that they were going to separate. It doesn't sound that seismic to me, really. But <laughs> well, I guess that's the sort of like um, the full confirmate the rubber stamp, isn't it? That they're yeah, actually going to go through it if they start telling their family. Yeah, and um, you know, as soon as that was said, it was like, I was like, well, they're going to fall in love again properly, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... during this chaotic situation. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I never really thought about it like that, James. But you're definitely right. They're they're, they're sort of the sort of backseat. Well, they're literally the backseat passengers, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think it's you know fully intentional that they're a white couple, probably yep. middle class couple, thrown into this thing which they you know would have no interest in whatsoever. Whereas Eva and Carly are sort of is it Carly her daughter? Yeah. That, yeah. Um, they're kind of forced into it because of where they live. Economical circumstances. Economical yeah. circumstances. And they're just like forced into it. Which again is a good is a good little um you know, a, a sort of subtle bit of commentary. Um but it's not subtle. But uh, <laughs> it's a good bit good bit of commentary. Um it's just great how there's a, there's this nation who are just so desensitized to violence that they just accept this absurd measure. Yeah. And they've done it in a way where you do really believe in it, don't you? Yes, um, absolutely. Like you believe it could happen the way they've set up this, you know, this future, near future America. So they have a really subtle thing in there. So obviously in America, you can only be uh, one political party or one president can only be in power for eight years, can't they, at a time? And then it's a it's a change of uh, it's a change of power. Then uh, there's a little bit of voiceover on a radio as I think Eva's walking home from work, where it says the new founding fathers who took control of America nine years ago. So they've right. basically ripped up ah. the uh, the democratic process within America, and they're the ones who've now introduced the purge. And the whole thing here is like. Um, at the start of the film, it says that there's less than like five percent of people who are living below the poverty line, which is basically just the purge is just there for them to get rid of all like the homeless and yeah, yeah, and people who they don't think are contributing to society, um, and they're almost like fascistic in the way that they've taken over the country and then introduced this night of bloodlust. Yeah, to basically get people to do their dirty work, isn't it? So yes. they don't have to bear the responsibility. Yeah, which is it, it's really horrendous. Yeah, it's <laughs> ghastly. It's, this yeah. is the, the thing. This is the struggle I have. But that's, I mean, it's great because this is um, a genre movie that's challenging me. Absolutely. Like, and I love that. I, I absolutely love that because I think there should be more genre cinema that should be unashamedly genre cinema. Yeah. But also, you know, if you can ask a bigger question while you're doing it, why don't you damn go for it? Yeah. And especially nowadays, you know, 10 years later or eight years, however long it is later. And, just becomes more relevant 
And this is it's it. Just, it's it, you know, it's more the, prescient than ever, isn't it? Yeah, the, the the things they're talking about haven't gone away, and if anything, they've got worse. Um, and you've got like these people in it, like um, the late great Michael K. Williams, who's an activist, um, sort of trying to fight against it because you know he sees it for what it is, where it's just, you know, it's 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 purging the lower classes. Basically, that's the entire yeah. thing, and they're, they're dressing it up as something else. And that you know that's what it, that he's trying to pull the curtain back on what it actually is and who's you know why they're actually doing it, and you know he's dressed like a Black Panther, isn't he? He's got his beret yes. on and his you know all stuff like that, which is just great. And and he he's not in it that much, but it's great to see his face. Yeah, God bless him. It was fantastic because yeah. I'd you know he'd recently passed away and I'd completely forgotten that he was in this film. And you know Omar Little is one of my favourite television characters of all time. So to see him pop up on the screen, I was like, oh, it, it made me feel all warm inside to see him again. <laughs> yeah, I was the same actually. It was it was really nice to see him. Um, and he always throws the kitchen sink at every performance, doesn't he? He's just yeah. So yeah, yeah he's, he's he's so powerful with whatever he does. But yeah, we get we get a sort of flavour of the aesthetic of the film, which I just love. Uh, you know, the Warrior. You guys know the Warriors is one of my favourite yeah, films. Yeah, big Walter Hill vibes in this. Yeah, movie. it takes a lot of that. You've got these various gangs and purges in their you know vans and school buses and and you know various transportation all with different uniforms on, which are kind of where the horror bit. Yeah, is that's kind of what is the one thing what um in terms well, at least aesthetically and tonally. Is brought from the first one. This, these scary masks, and the, you know, you don't. These people don't have any dialogue, and they're just walking around with these masks on, much like the gangs doing warriors and um, assault and precinct life. thirteen as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have you noticed that, like, if you cock your head with no mask on, you don't look scary at all. You look stupid. <laughs> but if you've got a mask on and it's in a higher frame rate, then you look absolutely terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I love this this um because it's all atmosphere building like oh yeah. god this is getting serious by the second and it's building to what will be it's essentially it's a hedonistic experience this isn't it you know yeah. that they're all heading towards this wild bloodlust <laughs> yeah it's just nuts and then interspersed with this with this with this steadily ratcheting tension you've just got Frank Grillo in this unbelievable muscle car yes just with the with the camera fixed on the hood and just looking cool as like yeah he's ready to get he's ready to get involved he's gonna yeah. get in the mixer yeah he's driving into the center and the other side of the road is just a queue of traffic trying to get out and it's just him on his own going into the into yeah. downtown to sort of fuck shit up basically <laughs> and we still don't so we still mad. don't know what he's doing but, i don't care i'm, I'm no. happy to watch uh, him <laughs> it's just it's just all absolutely nuts they've all got like sniper rifles and flamethrowers and ak-47s and there's a guy in the back of a truck with a minigun which is yeah. just I, like America. it's just absolutely nuts but yeah so so it's we're getting closer and closer to the to the amnesty aren't we and um you know, we're still following these three groups of people who are separate and just really heartbreaking moment with the with Eva's dad oh. when it's just so lovely and he and Oh he, don't. He uh you know says he's going to bed and he just sells himself for this rich oh. family to butcher and you're just like, Oh my god, this is just so sad. That is the, the most awful. Um yeah. yeah, John Beasley plays Paparico. Um yeah. and uh he 
this he just sort of disappears now when he left the house he got into like a limo didn't he and i was like oh man he's a secret crime boss and then the next time we see him he's in a he's in like a room with a load of tops about to get yeah, with machetes big time yeah oh, it's just so and that's the horror that's it's like every time you feel like all oh, right okay i'm understanding now like oh my god and then the the ante gets switched and you're like oh god this is horrible and this is, you know, if if you normalise this kind of pay, kind of behaviour, I imagine it gets normalised very quickly. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, oh, it's such a, I mean, it's horrendous the way that the people are going around killing, but the rich people are even more deplorable, aren't they? Because they're just having it, they're doing it in the most... For shits and giggles. Basically. Yeah, in the most deplorable <laughs> way in terms of they're just paying to have something come in, to have a person come into their house, and then they've got no skin in the game at all. They're not putting themselves oh. at any risk at all. It's just absolutely disgusting. Just like, how do you do it? How do you do it? Because, like, the, right, tonight when I got in ready to record the podcast, driving into the parking space outside our house, there was a dying pigeon there. Oh. And it was like, I don't want to hit that. You know, like, I don't want to kill that. And then these people are like... Got poor old John Beasley and the like. Get the machetes out, fellas. Oh, We're good to go. Grim. Like how it's just—it's so grim. This thing, this whole thing. I think you can tell I've struggled with this. What another point in this film that I found really interesting was that um, it—it gives a chance for the ninety-five percent to attack the five percent, but it also gives the chance for the five percent to defend itself in and it gives them power for like one wild night only and that's embodied by the character of um diego played by um noel guglielmi yes um, i hope i've said that right um who i find absolutely fascinating he's like the the a drunk in the apartment block that the the uh carmen uh, sorry <laughs> carmen does the real actress's name <laughs> carmen and jogo uh that eva um and her daughter callie are staying in i was like i recognize this fella um, and I recognise him as Hector. And it turns out that he's... How many times do you think that um, Noel Guglielmi has played a character called Hector in a film? Oh, loads. <laughs> Absolutely loads, yeah. He's, he's in Training Day, isn't he? He's he is, in... yeah. He's Hector in Training Day. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Obviously, yeah. yeah he's, I would he's... say at least four or five times. Nine. Nine times. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's he's been Hector, Hector nine times. So I was like, oh, look, there's Hector! You know... <laughs> Hollywood's prime Hector actor. <laughs> yeah, I went literally. I went through his whole IMDb catalogue, like, and I didn't count sequels in that because he's Hector in the Fast and the Furious franchise as well. Oh, so I didn't count any sequels. Um, and he um, goes nuts, doesn't he? Because he perceives Eva as being disrespectful. So when the purge hits, he's like a threat in their own apartment building, isn't he? And yeah. he comes up the stairs and. He's trying to get them, but um, uh-uh, doesn't go that way. No, because uh, a very tooled-up posse comes in. They look very official, and they're sort of clearing the building one floor at a time and taking out the residents who are on the poorer scale of the economy, uh, apartment by apartment, it would seem, and Hector is no exception. He gets absolutely iced. <laughs> Yes, he does. Um, and sadly, and this is one of my very few criticisms of the film, CG squibs. Yeah, I think that's oh, a I bunch of things. things. Yeah. Just, just do the real... I mean, if you've got John Woo putting squibs on a little satellite dish, and you, you know, and you've got... Uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember who directed... Oh, no, Ridders! If you've got Ridley Scott uh, putting squibs in a hanging sheet 
on a washing line in Black Rain, I think you can <laughs> pop them on Hector, can't you? I think it just comes down to timing, to be honest, when you're shooting, because obviously if the squibs don't go off correctly, you've got to reset them and then set them all up again. And you're right, when man. you're on a lower budget film, I don't think you can spring for that. Like, not everyone's Quentin Tarantino who could have squibs going off like rocket launchers and in Django and yeah yeah you have to I get never to thought a, of that I actually. think you have to be at a certain level to demand no I'm having real squibs in this because <laughs> I, I I mistakenly thought that it would be cheaper to have real squibs I think it's, I, I think it's probably it's just easier to shoot it's, it's logistics yeah. I think and put it in afterwards yeah right yeah. oh I'm learning every day is a school day if he messes up the fall on the first one then you just reset you don't have to set it it's just time and particularly yeah. I would imagine the the production schedule on this was quite tight. Oh, yeah. Given that it's a relatively low-budget movie. And they're shutting off major areas of cities here, aren't they, as well? Yeah. You know? So it's just, yeah, we'll just put them in afterwards. I know what you mean, though. It is, I, I, I'm, they're a bugbear of mine. I would much prefer to see real squibs as often yeah. as possible. Yeah. Um, but they, they escape, don't they, after this posse, do a number on them. Um, and um, there's, there's all sorts of, like, you see that there's all sorts of these groups that are have their own motivations you know like a lot of it is rounding people up for people who pay the right amount of money yeah absolutely which is horrible and this is where the the stories start converging so um zach guilford's character and his wife are being chased through the streets by these like psycho skateboarders in a ice cream van (laughs) (laughs) Uh, grillo he sort of pulls up outside of uh eva's and kelly's um apartment block doesn't it as they're being bundled into the back of this truck by these SWAT team looking guys and he's like he's doing sort of proper anti-hero stuff here and I'm massively enjoying it he's like don't get involved don't get involved don't look don't look keep driving keep driving and then he's like he can't deny the good uh, the his own good nature and he gets out and he absolutely owns all of these SWAT fellas who are, and saves the day basically and it's a really yes. well uh, choreographed and slickly put together little action sequence that just certifies him as a badass that you knew that he was. Absolutely. Yeah, he just completely runs riot and just nails everyone. <laughs> and then, yeah, he saves them, basically, but tries to bundle them in their car and um, the couple... I, I keep forgetting their name. What are they called? Uh, Shane, no, that's um, his real name. Liz. Shane and Liz. Shane and Liz. Yeah, and then uh, bundles into the car and then Shane and Liz have... Um, just hidden in the back seat, so they're along for the ride as well. Because <laughs> we we don't know who these like SWAT team looking motherfuckers are. Uh, we yeah. can't mm. tell whether they are actual SWAT teams or whether they're, they're just really into purging. really kitted out <laughs> purged nutters. Um, Which you would get, you would get that. And it's most confusing because the fella on the minigun is dressed like a like a Butcher. slaughterhouse worker yeah. or something. Yeah, is that just cosplay? Because later on we we. We learn that these are government-sanctioned sort of death squads, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, because not enough people are killing on purge night, so they're going mm. through and basically just upping the numbers in terms of yeah. taking out people that they don't deem are uh, that th- they believe are below the poverty line. Mm. Yeah, and uh, the minigun guy in the back of the truck, Grillo didn't quite hit him properly, so he chases them off with his big minigun and, and fucks the car up, and then that devastating. That it's gorgeous, that lovely, lovely car. car. Grillo tried to buy it. Yes, <laughs> and he wouldn't let him have it. Why not? Why not? Well, I suppose if you're on such a tight budget, it's an asset, isn't it? You know, yeah. for the production. But hang on a minute, if he's offering to buy it, you know. Oh yeah, it's such a such a beaut of a car. 
Um, but they have to leave it behind. And um, Eva sort of, because he wants to leave them, doesn't he? Because he's just like, I've, I haven't got time for this shit. I've got, I've got, got something to do. I've got stuff to do. And I just want to get sorted. But they're just they're just four terrified people who need him because he's obviously got skills. Yeah. So they uh, go to Eva's friend who she, uh, she, she's a colleague, isn't she? And they go to her house, sort of hide out and potentially get a new car for Frank Grillo. We, we, do, we still don't know what his name is at this point. No one, no, no. No one has addressed him by... Well, he hasn't said what his name is. Um, so yeah, they go off to, to this house and um, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> it takes a turn at this point. <laughs> they, they make it through a cavalcade of horrendous people, don't they? And they, they yes. just about make it to this apartment. And to be honest with you, I'd rather be as soon as you walk into that apartment. Right, the atmosphere in there. I'll take my chances on the street. It is far too uncomfortable. The atmosphere <laughs> in this apartment. <laughs> it's like a family little get together on purge night, isn't it? And the sisters are sniping at each other, and one of them's getting inappropriately drunk when everybody else yeah. is sober and it's just like it's a bit tense in here I'll take it I'll take my chances outside with the murderers I'd rather be murdered than be this uncomfortable <laughs> I mean as if for one minute Frank Grillo wants to be pulled sideways to go to a domestic <laughs> he does, does not want to which, be involved in this which escalates rather quickly and uh, it, it, it gets uh, yeah. a bit it gets a bit nuts and um yeah, Grillo again being like tactical, but because he, he so the, he's obviously like army, isn't he? Because yeah. he's very, yeah. very skilled, knows what he's doing, um, and gets out of this crazy situation, this domestic where it's just someone's sister is cheating on uh, <laughs> her husband is cheating on her with his with her sister. Yeah. At that point, I'd just be like, you know what? Thank you very much for your hospitality. I cannot sit in this room for another minute. Can I borrow some Kevlar? I'm going outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's purge night, and with like, so uh, the sister takes it, you know, and the dad says, you know, as soon as the dad, when they came in, like, you'll be safe here, we're anti purge. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that ain't lasting. <laughs> Five minutes before this escalates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't even take that. <laughs> um, and they have to escape again because there was no car. It, you know, Carmen and Joe go, uh, sorry, Eva Sanchez, uh, Lord, them all there on the pretense. Um, she was going there for safety, but um, they needed she knew Frank that... Grillo to get there. And wouldn't we all? Yes. Well, yes. Quite right too. Um, <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that stuff in the house. Uh, the yeah. little personal ba- personal battles. After seeing all the grand scale mischief outside, I enjoyed this little segue into the house for some grotty, horrible retribution. It was. <laughs> At this point, I, I mentioned it before, like it's, it's a lot of similar story beats to the Warriors, and this is kind of like a similar bit, you know, where they go to the they go to like a hangout of some other yeah, crew, yeah. and that all goes tits up as well. And it's just got those similar story beats, and I just love. Um, I, that's why I like this film so much. How it's just unashamedly riffing on these classic cult movies yeah. like the Warriors, like. Assault on Precinct 13, you know, the way the bad guys are, they don't say anything and they're just just creepy, silent dudes. And you just, yeah, it's very John Carpenter. Yeah, it's well-executed genre cinema and there's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It, and, and it's really entertaining. Yeah. Absolutely. Even while you're sort of processing how grim the actual scenarios are. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't give you time to focus on that grimness. It's like the grimness is like a spreading dread as you go through watching yeah. these movies. Yeah. Like, oh, God, this is realistic. Oh, God, they would really do this, wouldn't you? Oh, God, get me out. Get me out. 
because a lot of the dread is coming from the fact that you've got um, the truck guys are sort of tailing them because they know mm. they're just following yeah. them around. Who we by now we know they're like sort of government led people, and then you've got this other gang on the in the ice cream truck who are trailing the couple. Um, so that's what you do. they're just trying to avoid these two converging paths of you know these yeah. horrible dudes, and they one of them catches up with them. And um, there's another familiar face pops up, which I totally forgot was in this film. So they all get uh, bundled into the back of a van, and it's um, Lakeith Stanfield is is the guy. I who thought takes that his was him. Up. Yeah, <laughs> just a little, gorgeous little cameo um, as the the scary guy at the start who with the god mask. On. Oh yeah, yes. with the god, and they they're the ones who sabotage their car, isn't it? Um, yeah, because they just want. But they're saying we don't, we don't want to kill anyone. We just yeah. want to make some money. We we just go up cleaning afterwards to just get some money. And part of that is selling this group of people to... The Tory party conference. To the Tory party conference. <laughs> 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 well, that, I mean, that, that was... Oh, like It's an awful sort of... You know, when you have that, like, it's a fundraiser event, like, oh, yeah. who's going to bid on, you know, um, a date with, you know, David, the tennis pro at the local club, you know, that kind of thing. And it's not, here it's like, who, you know, who's going to put some money down so you can kill these poor people? And it's like hosted by, like, <sighs> by like this, you know, psychotic Mary Berry type. Who's yeah. Like, <laughs> is, is it, it's like, isn't it slightly reminiscent of Betty White's character in Lake Placid? Oh, it is. Yeah. Placid, Placid. She'd be well into the purge. She'd be oh, right up for us. Unfortunately for her, she lives in the middle of nowhere, so there'd be no one to murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Business as usual. She's She uses uh, the phrase smoothest discharge when she's talking about a gun, which was like, ew. Oh, yeah, that made me feel actually <laughs> sick. But yeah, so this is basically oh. like a really hardcore version of Laser Quest, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like the setting though. The the setting oh, is great. great. So they, they you know the, the winners of the bid get bunged in this sort of warehouse that's got loads of like like they're like almost like off cuts or surplus stock from a garden centre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're all thrown in this building. Um and you've got to use that as you know you know what it reminded me of a little bit is we'll go right back to episode one. It reminded me of the cemetery scene in Hard Target. Oh you know, yeah. The, the green uh, the green uh, through the night vision kind of thing yeah um and the stone and the chips of stone and bullets flying everywhere yeah and then obviously as well it's like when the hunters get there uh when the tables turn on the hunters because uh only it's chris frank grillo with equally gorgeous <laughs> hair i would say <laughs> yes yes <laughs> just absolutely kicking the shit out of these crappy hunters <laughs> yeah, yeah totally i mean i by this point, Shane um, has made some errors of judgment. Um, he's taken a couple of bullets because he keeps going all bravado. He's no Frank Grillo. No. Um, stay in the back. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, just stay cool. That guy's got this. And he uh, gets pummeled with bullets. <laughs> and then him and Liz have that moment of, you know, oh, reconciliation, you know. Oh, you know, he's dying like, thank God we don't have to tell my sister. <laughs> I just died. It's fine. It's fine. And um, she goes mad. She's like, right, give me them guns. And then, um, yeah, Michael Kenneth Williams's Carmelo comes in yeah. to sort of save the day kind of thing because yeah. he's, he's a lot of anti-purge. Yeah. 
And I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get to see them gunning down all the rich people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was all quite dark, wasn't it? And you didn't really see. It was just like the sort of yeah. similar shots over and over. You didn't get. It wasn't any satisfying. Um, I mean, the old woman didn't get it. I was no, no. that she didn't get it. Well, the, yeah, it's really disappointing because Grillo catches up with her in the uh, in the car park, and I was like, "Oh, just nutter, just stick the nut on her." Like. <laughs> Glasgow kiss. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not this old cloud-haired woman. <laughs> well, he doesn't because he's a nice guy. He's killed a lot of people, but he's a, he's a nice guy. Also, in this moment, there um, because I happened to watch the first Purge, uh, not the first Purge, the first Purge movie, Right before watching this, there is actually a tie back in this sequence to that first film. Oh, cool. So the uh, the homeless man who ends up inside um, Ethan Hawke's house in the first movie, and then the rich people come and they want to they want to kill him, and it's uh, that's why they end up invading uh, Ethan Hawke's house. He's one of the guys who's in Michael K. Williams's Uprising, and he's there. With, he's he's the guy who speaks to the uh, to Grillo and his group. Uh, before they exit, and then Liz stays and starts and decides that she's going to start gunning people down. I assume. Yes, and then uh, Grillo um, he, he nicks Betty White's car, doesn't it? It's not Betty White. <laughs> Nick Betty White's car. I can't he does, remember. Yeah, yeah, he does. Because um, he's going. He's got business. Finally, we get to his business, and I say that finally, as in like now's the time, not uh, begrudgingly from me, yeah. right. Now is the time. After he's looked after these people all night, he's going off. And this is the, it's probably the hardest bit for me, this one. As, yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah, I found this really hard. The anguish Grillo plays. Because he's going, he had a young boy. And his young boy got uh, killed by a drunk driver. And this drunk driver still has a perfect life, perfect, you know, marriage and uh, kids and all that kind of stuff. Lovely house. And Grillo knows where he is and he's going to use Purge Night to do exactly that purge. And he gets there and he just, Grillo is so good in this scene, but he yeah, just can't, he can't do it. He just can't do it. And it's so painful to watch. Yeah. Just the, 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 the two, motorways, he's in the car with Eva and Callie to explain himself and they're sort of pleading with him not to go through with it and they're all crying and it's just so well acted this bit and you know maybe a bit out of place for a movie like this I guess yeah it feels above and beyond doesn't it in terms of the actual material but yeah Grillo's excellent in that and there's a moment where he comes out of the house and because he's obviously been through uh been through it a bit this night he's covered in blood from all these various other scrapes so you don't know if he's done it or not um, and then the guy who's been cha- the government guy who's been dr- who was dressed like a slaughterman catches up with him and he he plugs him twice in the in the chest doesn't he out on this guy's lawn yeah and then the fact and then it's at that moment that we realise that he didn't exact his revenge uh, on the man that he'd come to see he let him live and that man ends up saving his life by shooting the government fella right in the head oh yeah yes and and. And then the siren goes off, doesn't it? Because there's there's a few of the the SWAT team cronies coming, but the siren goes off, and they all just yeah. and they all just oh, like it's great. They all converge, don't they? They're all ready to kick off big time. Oh, it's finished. Can't do it anymore. Yep. Should we go get breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> the pancake house is still standing. <laughs> Should we hit the IHOP? <laughs> 
the one thing I've always thought about these, this movie and this franchise is like how awkward the next day must be for like, uh, was like going into work and it's like, oh, where's, uh, where's Dave? <laughs> yeah. And he's Dave's just... dead. <laughs> what do you mean, Dave's dead? Oh, I killed him. He's just been, <laughs> just been mowed down in laser quest. <laughs> <laughs> two co-workers have killed each other <laughs> can you imagine be- between neighbours you know like um, did you have a quiet night last night oh no no I, I went out and killed about eight homeless people I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, yeah yeah so are we still on for pints no no we are not we are not on for pints next week yeah but you can't do that because then next year next purge because you think you're better than them they might come for you <laughs> Just, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah we're still on for pints of course <laughs> I'd be moving cities every year. Like, <laughs> I'd never leave the house. I might meet someone. Yeah, but then someone would take a grudge against you because you never came out of your house and then they'd break yeah. and try and it. Oh, God. That, that, that sh- that, I mean, like, at least if you're going to do this purge idea, at least say that, right, people's private property is off limits. Just, just let us have that, please. If we close the door, you can't come in. Yeah, you know, like on Halloween where houses don't have decorations up, so you know not to take your kids trick or treat. <laughs> we are approaching Halloween. It's very yes. topical. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, the movie ends. Yeah, um, Grillo's taken to hospital, which doesn't seem yeah. very busy considering what's just happened in the twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's people defibbing people on the streets everywhere. <laughs> Well, no, because none of the emergency services are in action, right? So the hospital's out of bounds and whatnot uh, until seven o'clock that morning. But I would expect to see like a line a of just like <laughs> variously maimed people just hang, just waiting for the hospital <laughs> to open. Oh God! Um, my head's now thinking of like because they pull back to the city, don't they? Yeah. And there's loads of crisp fires going. I say the crisp. <laughs> it's not crisp, but it's like it, because it gives a scope to what's happened. You know, yeah. like I'm like, yeah, I like that image. Um, but I'm thinking now, like, well, if crime is all legal, like all crime is legal for that night, nothing is off the table. You could, you know, like. <laughs> You could bomb that city to pieces. Oh, no, that's not in the rules. You're not oh, allowed you to use explosives. explosives. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> you're not allowed you're to right. kill politicians and you're not allowed to set bombs off. Of course, you're not. Politicians. As if anyone, as if every, no one's going to stick to the rules, are they? You can murder and maim people, but oh, don't don't set any C4 Can't you, like, walking out like, I'm so sorry, you used a gas grenade. Yeah, who's so going to enforce it? Who's going to stop it? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Nigel Farage isn't a politician. So. <laughs> Can't wait for Purge Night. Can't Bridget, wait. Purge Night 2022. Can't wait to see you. Oh, he'd be out in his mustard trousers, wouldn't he? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course he would. <laughs> and the Kent Coast with a sniper rifle. <laughs> oh, bully. <laughs> Um, gosh, we've gone topical tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Might be our most topical yet. Um, so, best bits, fellas, what are we saying? My favourite bit is it's just a single shot. So, it's Frank Grillo cruising down the downtown streets in his yeah. cool as fuck armoured muscle car. The camera is fixed to the hood, and in the background, a blazing bus blows through the intersection <laughs> that he's just passed through. It's absolutely marvellous. 
Yeah, that is so good. <laughs> There's some wicked shots in this because one of my favorite yeah. bits is a shot, is a, just a shot as well, where it's um an overhead helicopter of the two trucks because you you after we find out that there's loads of these big trucks it's not just one and you're hearing like radio chatter of them trying to find grillo and 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 the, the people he's got in his car and there's two trucks just next to each other going at the same speed and then they just diverge at a fork in the road but it's just so like lovely done and executed so well and just yeah. looks really yeah just really satisfying how perfectly in sync these two trucks are and something as simple as that like you've just got some really nice shots what are just just really satisfying um i also love the night vision bit where gorilla just goes to town on the rich hunting party <laughs> it laser quest love it <laughs> <laughs> it's high stakes laser quest extreme laser quest <laughs> the x is for execution <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was nice because there was like a family and like it was like, oh, thank you for bidding. And will your sons be joining us? And they were oh, like, oh, yes. So and they were like, oh, it's their first hunt. You know, like, oh, dear. It's like when your dad takes you for a pint for the first time. Hey, yeah, gonna, yeah. We're going to murder some some less well-off people than us. <laughs> so bad, isn't it? And that's it. That's how quickly the norm arrives, how quickly the norm becomes. Anyway, um, for my best bit, I would go with... Um, Grillo's um, action chops when because uh, his acting chops were absolutely brilliant. But I'm an absolute sucker for a dude being a hero, um, and um, or, or a, sorry, a movie star of any kind being a hero. And it was um, as they're navigating the streets. There was one point where Shane got his foot caught in a trap, and Grillo had to hold the fort while they got him out. And he's rolling on the floor with his lovely oozy going. He's <laughs> <laughs> a salt man. <laughs> either side people on stairwells getting pa, 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 getting whazzed everywhere <laughs> and it's just like oh it's proper action beats i absolutely love that um so yeah i'll go with that i'll go with that i think i thought grillo was absolutely ace yeah here. he makes this movie oh, for absolutely. Me, definitely yeah he definitely he definitely does um so um fir for your reconsideration james yeah, so I think we've sort of touched on it as we're moving through. So there's there's nothing here that you haven't seen done better by the likes of Walter Hill or John Carpenter. And the movie itself could have done with being a little bit tighter. I'm thinking more around the sort of the married couple element that felt a little bit superfluous yeah. to me. Uh, but there's no denying that the film has a killer concept, decent action, and a gruff, effective central performance from an easy-to-root-for Frank Grillo. Its political messaging is about as subtle as a sledgehammer to the face, but it's nonetheless refreshing to see any kind of social commentary included in what is a multiplex horror franchise. In my view, this is the best instalment of the series and a better entry point than the, than the first film, actually, so I would definitely recommend checking it out. Then, if you happen to enjoy it, well, you've got four other films and two seasons of TV to delve into as well. It's definitely worth watching this one and then election year as well because Frank Grillo is in that one as well. So he's in the two movies there and uh, they're very good companion pieces. That's the only one, two that are direct sequels. Cool. Very cool. Um, totally agree with you, James. Um, yeah, this, this is... Um, and in, like, in a sense, in, in terms of an IP, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime concept that you come up with something that has got so much gold, so much drama inherently around it, that it's only ever going to be interesting, this. And it turns out that Bloomhouse know how to handle this 
perfectly. They've done a brilliant job with this here. They've made that money go an absolute mile. It's so much fun. It never gives you a moment's breath. Um, Grillo is brilliant, but I'd also like to to shout out um, Zoe, Sol, Zoe Sol as Kelly, Carmen Ajogo as Eva, and um, I thought Justina Mercado as Tanya, the soon-to-be wax sister, was <laughs> were all brilliant. Um, but uh, no, I just, just totally enjoyed it, and it posed... I like this with with I like it with books. I like it with movies. I like it with TV. If you were going to ask questions of me as a consumer of these things, as as what would I do in those circumstances in those situations? I'm enjoying that that just that little bit more. I find that challenging, exciting, and interesting. So this gives this the edge over so much other stuff of its type. Really, really enjoyed it. I don't know whether I can bring myself to watch another Purge movie because. It's just so hard, this premise. It's just so... It's too much, almost, in the current climate that we're in for me to think like this. Um, but I'm probably just being a massive baby. Can I, te- <laughs> can I tease election year for you and how Frank you can do. ends up in that movie? He is the head of the... Um, he's the head uh, security for a politician who is running against the new founding fathers, who is anti-purge, so he's on full bodyguard duty election year. Right, I rescind my previous (laughs) (laughs) Going off to watch that right now. After I've watched The Spy Who Loved Me to make me feel better about James Bond again. (laughs) 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 But yeah, definitely reconsider this. Go out, get it. Um, We watched it on Netflix, didn't we? Yes, Uh, the first two movies are on Netflix in the UK. It's all there as part of your subscription. Go for it. Um, So, Sai, what about you? Uh, well, I mean, no surprise that I really like it. It's, you know, just as good as the first time I watched it. I, I just think it's a genre classic, to be honest. Um, Grillo was astonishing in the lead role, doing way more than what would be expected of just an action frontman. I just, I really dig its Carpenter vibes and how it makes something completely different to the original film it's based on or it follows on from. I love that it's a tidy one hour forty, and it completely nails the tone of what is. A quite absurd premise, I mean, particularly at the time, maybe not so absurd nowadays, um, but just has a re- very real and pertinent political commentary that never, that just really finally balances it and, and treads that line really well without becoming trivial or too preachy or anything like that. I just think it gets the tone completely spot on. If this is one of those films like you may have dismissed because it's a, just because it's a sequel, which I think many people would have done on release. I de- just definitely recommend you check it out, particularly if, like me, you're a big fan of films like The Warriors, Escape from New York, Assault on Precinct 13, and even video games like Manhunt, the old Rockstar game on the mm. PS2. There's a lot of yeah. vibes of that as well, um, particularly in the final act. Yeah, that's a super grim game. I haven't oh, thought of that I, for ages. That was... It's really hard, but it's so satisfying to play when you get it right. It's really, really good game. On a whole, as a final line, it, it might take itself a bit more seriously than a John Carpenter classic, but um, I still think it's great. And I, I just think it would sit, it would be welcome with the box set of all those sorts of movies and will stand up with them, I think. I think it's a very, very good movie. Awesome. I, I love how, you know, because the callbacks to Carter, um, sorry, not to Carter, John Carpenter, obvious. Um, I'd love to know what he made of it. Oh, yeah. Love to know. Um, brilliant stuff, fellas. As we said, that you can catch The Purge Anarchy on Netflix right now. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with, uh, it's back round to my pick, 
we're going we to go. do <laughs> a showdown in Little Tokyo. This is the 1991 Brandon Lee and uh, 92, is it 91 or 92? Oh gosh, betraying myself here. Uh, don't ask Brandon, us, we don't know. <laughs> the Brandon Lee Dolph Lundgren classic that features classic. Classic that features the single greatest line of dialogue you will ever find in a movie. Ever, 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 ever. No spoilers, though. We'll save it for yeah, you, time. You've got to come back to find out you've what You've got to is. come back to find out what it is. But I can't say it. One of you guys are going to have to say it. I mean, There's it's... No it's um, I, say this. I mean, it is the greatest line ever in a film ever. So, <laughs> Brilliant. Can't wait to discuss that with you fellas next week. Um... Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody, and thank you very much for chatting with us online. Please keep giving us the five-star reviews. Come and have a chat with us on the Twitters. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Take care, take it easy, and uh, big peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. That's like Ringo Starr. Peace and love. Yeah, peace and love. I'm warning you, peace and love. (laughs) No purging. (laughs) Don't purge, don't purge. Oh, dear. I think, uh, you know... (laughs) Can't say that. I'm sorry. I'll cut it out, but please say it. I had a curry tonight and I could do with a purge myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's staying in. (laughs) That's cold. Yes.